And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm going to hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up? <laughs> uh, we are, we're almost like fully back. Sam Press. Are we? And we're getting close. <laughs> are we? We're getting Did- close. Uh, am I really supposed to be excited about the preseason, Andrew? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, what, are, what are your top... Let's do your top five Thunder preseason moments through history. Can you name five things that have happened in the preseason? Steven Adams making a three. <laughs> Literally the first thing I thought of. That okay. was great. It was like the uh, first play of the first preseason game. He's sitting and camped out in the corner. Um, the yearly Can you name another one? The yearly tradition of us thinking Russell play defense every year. <laughs> and we're such idiots that we thought it would uh, show itself during preseason. I, every year he was like hustling like this is a new this is a new thing. Um, moment number three, Scott Brooks uh, putting movement into the offense during the preseason and us thinking that mm. it really meant that changes were gonna happen. Um, Samaj Kristen showing out in the preseason and uh, getting that spot over Ronnie Price. This is so funny because you're basically proving why I do not care about preseason because every single thing you have named is something that turned out to be completely false and did not matter for the regular season at all. That's why it's fun. That's what's, that's what's fun about it. You get to see different things. You know, you get We're to pretend. Thirty point Bay is coming at you in the preseason. He might. He might. Would not shock me. Um, This preseason, though, is going to be at least mildly interesting just because they've got 20 guys on the roster. And, like, guys that we all know. Because a lot of times they'll sign these, like, Exhibit 10 guys. And it's like, I don't even know who that is. If they cut him tomorrow, I, I, you know, I won't remember his name ever. You know? But there are 20 guys on this team. And we know pretty much all of them. I mean, Eugene... Uma Yuri is the only guy that I think most people would be like, I have no idea who that is. And he's on a two-way. So he's on the two-way until they cut him. But everybody else, I mean, like everybody, we've, we saw 2,000 minutes of Teo Maladone as rookie season. You know, like we've seen these guys play. And there's going to be some guys that are going to be cut. And I think that to me will be 
the most interesting thing is like, does the preseason have anything to do with who they're going to cut? Uh, is it training camp or do they, I mean, they probably already have a really good idea of who they're going to let go. Yeah, it has to be training camp because, I mean, like Michele was talking about his most interesting thing was going to be just the rotation, yeah. which like that was my first thought too. But then the more I thought about it, it was like they're, they're going to have to play all these guys. Otherwise, what's the point of bringing them all into training camp? They got to play them. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do. Like his shape. I'm assuming Shea's going to play like 15 to 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah. I mean, how do, how else do you get Teo Maladon like 10 minutes? I don't know. Unless the, they handle it like uh, like Summer League, where like by the end of the preseason, it is just like all the backups and yeah. third string guys. Yeah, it could be. It could maybe be that's that the last do. like two or three games where, you know, the starters don't play at all. You know, so... So right now, so they have to cut three guys. Mm-hmm. So right now, where are you at? Like, what what is chalk for you? It's Teo. <sighs> so the guys that are on the chopping block, Vite Krejci is there, Teo Maladone, Derek Favors, Ty Jerome are all guys that I think could get cut. I don't know if just the lack of... Of big guys gives favors a chance, <laughs> favors a chance <laughs> to make the team. Not not make the team, but like stay here. You know, yeah. like maybe they want him to stay here now because a ton of center minutes just opened up, and we know that Mike Muscala can't play a lot of them. And you know, Jeremiah, I think they want him to play center, but do you do you want him to play center for twenty five minutes a game? I mean, probably not. Uh, so. There's a chance that they're just like, yeah, we might need to just hang on to favors because Chet was going to play a ton of minutes at center. I mean, that was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Well, what about uh, what about Jay Will? Um, I got to see more. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I need to see what he's one that needs to have a good training camp and needs to play well to not just like almost be exclusively a G League player. Yeah, because he looked. I mean, he looked almost unplayable even in summer league. But maybe that changes like with the NBA regular season and being more part of like a team construct could help would would help a player like him. You know, summer league is for the for the guys that can create on ball. Summer league is for you know guys that can play like great one on one defense. Um, summer league is not necessarily the team defense. You know decent passer at the nail can do the little things like that's not what summer league is for um yeah and he'll get to play with better players yes playing with better even, players will help. Him. even though our summer league team was stacked was fair, basically this team <laughs> was basically this team except for dort and shay yeah i mean jay will will get a chance i don't know if i were to bet i would bet that he's not in the rotation at all to start the season and then like do we'll, a, we'll see him mixed in as we go if you had to put a percentage on it, mm-hmm. what what is the chance that one of the cuts is a surprise? Like not one of the four names you've been talking about. I'd say it's pretty low because, like, then who would it be? Like, I don't know. That's why it's a surprise, Andrew. <laughs> I mean, like the surprises of the guys that you that I think realistically that they would say, you know what, that we got to let them go. I would say that list is Darius Baisley. 
Poku, and Jay Will, right? Yeah, those would all be shocks. Those would be shocking. Like it would be yeah. weird if they cut any of those guys in favor of Ty Jerome or somebody like that. That's why that's why like I still think there's a good chance that favors could be gone. Just because there's so many like what are we doing here if we're gonna hang on to Derek Favors and and cut you know Jay Will <laughs> you know like what like what's going on here <laughs> that's not yeah. that is not even close to like what the goals are or what this team wants you know I think that if you were trying to win basketball games like that's an easy thing to do like give me Derek Favors in favor of uh, Jalen Williams from Arkansas. That's what that's what Danny Ainge is going to do, Andrew. He's he's not he's not going to do what OKC is doing. Sure, <laughs> nasty little things we're doing. Yeah, people just forget though that like we have Muscala and Kenrich Williams on this team, and not only do they forget it, they also whenever they do remember it, they're like, oh yeah, they have those guys. Get them out of there. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> get those guys off that team. We need to, you know, could, could a late first round pick get Kenrich Williams? Like, get him off that team. You know that's. I'm just, I'm just excited that there's going to be more teams blatantly tanking. Yeah. This year, and we'll and because it'll be a true test. Like, will will they catch the eye of the national media? Will anyone care? <laughs> Probably not. But it's worth it's worth it's worth a shot. Yeah, the thunder the thunder have made themselves the face of tanking. You know, they this have. Is, this is and our, I feel like we role. played a role in that. But at the same yeah. time, <laughs> leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe man. maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe we should have we should have been as surprised as a certain <laughs> OKC fans like, "Or oh, <laughs> what is this? Wait, what's going on here? This team is going to be good. <laughs> They're going to win games. We're going to get to the play in." Um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's no way. Um You know, I was looking uh because some someone DM me uh, fan of the show. Yeah. I don't remember who it was. Uh, they were asking me, shout out at Batlin Rise, asking me if uh, we're going to do surprise team, you know, for Slam and Jam. Mm-hmm. And I started going through the list because, you know, I, I set myself very strict rules. Yeah. Oh, and know. basically, you can't have an over under above like 36. Yeah. It's like somewhere around there. And man, the crop of teams this year, because there are so many that are either obviously bad or obviously tanking. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a challenge. <laughs> I, like I was just doing my initial glance over just who are the teams I can choose from. <laughs> and, and as a reminder, I have to choose a team that's going to win at least 10 more games than they're over under. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult. And uh, yeah, I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous. I dove too deep, but I mean, it's <sighs> like, yeah, the, the teams would be, like Washington, Utah, Sacramento, Detroit, OKC, Orlando, Indiana, Houston, San Antonio. Yeah, that's basically all of them. And one and one of those teams, if history holds, will likely win ten more games than their over under. So you just gotta you just gotta identify. I mean, last year the Cavs was a crazy pick. Yeah, to win ten more games, and it happened. So it, it happened. does happen. And if, in fact, I think uh, Minnesota might have hit it as well. So it happens, but it's, it's, this is a tough year for it. It is a tough year. If I were to my early pick without really diving into it at all, it would probably be the Kings, which is like the dumbest thing possible. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. 
There's a, I see a lot of King's buzz, probably because I follow a lot of King's people. It's my fault. <laughs> no, one, no one outside Sacramento is really buzzing, but there are definitely some King's fans buzzing. Yeah, I don't know that Detroit can win 39 games. <laughs> That'd be super impressive if you know? they did. It Integrating really two rookies and then winning 39 games. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I mean, the way we talk about the Thunder pre-Chet injury. Yeah. I mean, they were going to be integrating a lot of rookies and and there were a lot of people who like legitimately thought they could win, you know, 35 games. Mm-hmm. Which honestly wouldn't have shocked me if they had done that. Like if you, if they played that entire healthy team the entire year. Yeah. It would it was not out of the realm of possibility. So maybe maybe yeah. Detroit can do something. It is just you're you're making so many you're taking so many mental leaps, especially when you're not a fan of that team. Like we're embedded yeah. with the Thunder. So we know all these guys we, we feel like we understand their projections, what they could realistically do. Right. When you look at another team, it's like, man, I'm just supposed to believe that Jalen Dern's just going to be a starting center from day one. You got to be really, go. really in on Isaiah Livers and yeah. believe that Isaiah Livers can be a starting player in this league, which is like part of the buzz that's happening in Detroit right now, which makes me believe that I might take the under on that 28 and a half. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, what do you? So, what are you? What are you going to be watching for? You're gonna watch the preseason. Like we're just sickos. We have to do it. Um, what are you looking for? What are you looking? Are there things you're looking forward to? Are there things like, oh, I I hope that I get to see this <sighs> in the preseason? Yeah, preseason or like little buzz out of training camp. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think about players who because because there are players that we feel are kind of locked in to their role. Hold on just a second. Hank okay. is being so annoying. <laughs> if, you have, if you're on our stream, on. one, you would have seen Hank walking across Alex's keyboard. <laughs> what? I said, that, I said, if you're on YouTube, you would have seen Hank walking across your keyboard once Dude, already. You- I'm sure other people's dogs do this. He like if I go into a room by myself, he will bark until I let him in. Yeah, and then literally five minutes after he's been in that room, he is barking to get out. He's like, I've seen all I need to see. Get me out of here. Until two minutes later, when he is back at the door barking <laughs> to get in. Uh, okay, things. On, okay, I was talking about how there's uh, there's guys on this team where we feel like their roles are pretty locked in. Yeah. So like, listen, I'm not. There's nothing I'm going to see from Shay. Yeah. Or Giddy or uh, a Dort. There's nothing you in can the, see from a 19-year-old Giddy that you would be like, oh, okay, wow. In the preseason? No. Yeah, I don't know. Because even even if he came out and shot like 5 of 10 from 3, it's like, <laughs> does that mean anything? Like, no, it doesn't. It'd so, be great. It would be great. So, I'd like it. I don't know if it would mean anything, but I would sure like it. And and those guys, those three in particular, yeah. Chet, if he was healthy. What about Dort? Those, Dort, Dort looks pretty yoked. Yeah. What? What is that? What am I going to take away? I don't know from that in the preseason. Wow. Dort looks huge. Not definitely not one of the most exciting things. My point. Dort is got his the, braces off. You know that. Those guys cool. are locked into you know thirty to thirty-five minutes a game, mm-hmm. regardless of what they do in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. And if they're going to have to play all these guys at the end of the bench, they're probably not going to play a ton of minutes ultimately. Mm-hmm. So the guys I'm interested in are actually the guys who we don't know what their role on this team is going to be. And that's like guys like Darius Baisley, yeah. uh, Alexei Pokushevsky, guys who we have we know 
We know we've him. seen seen him for a while because honestly, similar to what I just mentioned about Shea Dorton Giddy, like I feel similar about J Dub. Like I'm excited to see him, but at the same time, he's a rookie, so I'm not going to like go crazy no matter what happens. Like if he comes out and he's not the guy from summer league and he's just not good, I'm not freaking out. Like who cares? It's yeah. preseason. But for someone like Baisley or someone like Poku, who we now have multiple years of NBA basketball under their belt, under our belt, yep, <laughs> both of our belts. Those are the guys I'm most interested in because that's where the, where, or at least that's what it, where it feels like from an outsider's perspective, the uh, rotation battles are happening. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, who does who does Degnault default to in in these games? Like to start with the Degnault default, the Degnault default. Who is he playing more minutes? What kind of role are those guys having on the court when they're in there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we've mentioned many times, Poku in the second half of the season, maybe it, you didn't always notice everything happening on the court, but when you went back and looked at his season-long stats and then focused in on that second half of the season, it was kind of wild. Like, his plus minus on the team, yeah. the way he was finishing around the rim. So you just wonder, especially for a guy who similar to Bayes hasn't really had like a real NBA season. <laughs> like, I mean, both <laughs> with COVID and then with him going to the G league for like random months. Yeah. Like this is his first full, or I guess last season. No, cause last season was a shortened off season. So this is his first full off season. Yeah. As an NBA player. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so, yeah, so guys like that, I just want to see how they come out in preseason. Yeah. Like, do, do we see a new version of either of those guys? Is there anyone else that, that, that's obvious, uh, like a rotation battle type guy who we feel confident is going to be on the team? We just don't know what their role is going to be. Well, I was going to go over uh, Poku's pre and post All-Star stats real quick, if that's okay. Yeah. Just so people that's, that's get a feel for that. Yeah. True shooting percentage, 45% pre-All-Star pre. break. Uh, 52%, which is not like crazy, but it's like, oh, okay, that's like a normal player. Uh, plus minus, he was a minus three and a half pre-post. He's plus 0.4. Yeah, that's pretty good. Mm. Uh, he did play a significant, more significant role in the second half of the season. 16 minutes per game in the first half, 28 minutes in the second half. Um, but he averaged 12, 7, and 4 post all-star break which is like oh that's kind of interesting and then five four and one in the first half of the season um <laughs> five four one uh 27 uh, from three first half of the season 31 percent from three second half it's like from real bad to like pretty bad but acceptably bad the weirdest one though like the, all the shooting stuff is like yeah he sucks the first half first half of the season 56 percent from the free throw line he probably took like five. Up to 76%. Yeah, what were the free throw attempts? He was 9 of 16 in the first half okay. of the season. In 42 games, he took 16 free throws. Second half of the season, in 10, this is in 19 games, he was, um, where is it, 26 of 34. Okay. That's a. That's still like something. That to me just is like, it's all mental for Poku. You know, well, he he definitely falls into the camp of avoiding contact, and it, even though his his rim finishing numbers are really good, but I suspect a lot of those are coming 
either in transition or on cuts. Yeah. Because he is he is good at that stuff. Yeah. Um but yeah, those stuff. two guys, because I just looked over the roster and like, yeah, you can make a case for Jerry or Trey Mann, but those guys are only entering their second season. Yeah. So like I'm not freaking out about them one way or the other, regardless of what happens. But Bayes and Poku, I mean Bayes is obviously entering a contract year. It's time. Yeah. And same with Poku. I mean, they haven't announced it yet. I'm sure they will, but you know, they have to do his extent or not his extension. Pick up his option. His, pick up his option. Yeah. And then the following season would be when they have to make a decision. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe Poku I'm deciding if I'm do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Maybe do Poku it. could be a rookie extension guy. Do you uh, think there's a chance of that? I don't think it's impossible. Okay. All right. It felt weird coming out of my mouth. But you have to you have to remember that just because I say rookie extension doesn't mean rookie extension max, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying, is there a chance he plays well enough this season where the Thunder are like, we have to try to lock him up at a reasonable mm-hmm. cost right now because we are expecting year four Poku to bl- set the world on fire. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, don't you feel like those two guys have the most to gain or lose in preseason? Yeah, I think that they're uh, specifically Darius. I think that it'd have to go pretty, it'd have to be really, really bad for Poku to just be like, oh yeah, okay, we might, you know, jettison him, you know, in January. Um, for Baisley, I feel like this is like, this is make or break season. Like he's, oh, for sure. This is it. Like this is it for him. And he could be, I mean, to me, I, I would bet more on a Hami-style trade with him this year than I would him getting a new contract with the Thunder next summer. Um, yeah, and that's the one part where I think you will learn something from preseason. Because if they come out game one yeah, and Mark Dagnall isn't starting base, yeah. At this point, I would actually kind of be surprised. I know we've talked about all the different machinations, all the different potential starting lineups, but a lot of that, or all of it, was with Chet in mind. Yeah. When we were thinking about Chet and JRE. Now that Chet's out of the picture, like if Bayes isn't starting preseason game one, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. And then to see what he does, and then if he does not start, who is he going to off the bench? Like, is he really going to bring Poku in as the backup five? Which, which I'm open to, but wow. is, is he, is he going to do that? <laughs> no, or no, is Poku going to be the first choice off the bench as like the backup four? I don't know who's starting yeah. in this scenario, but yeah. I mean, but it could be like someone like J dub, or maybe they do a, like a double big lineup with Jerry and someone. Um, who, yeah. who would get you most excited if they were starting, if they were in the starting lineup? Cause we, we know it's going to be, Shea, Dort, Giddy, and probably Jeremiah. Like, but who's yeah. who's the other guy? Who's the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> I think you just okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, either of the rookies, uh, like J Dub or J or not J Will, um, J Dub or uh, uh, Jang. Yeah, if if either of those those guys are starting, if he starts, I th- I think J Dub would be like, oh, this is cool, like yes, this is cool. And then Jang, if, if he, he started starts, Jang, I would be like, oh, wow, would- they're tanking, tanking. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would think. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'd be like really excited that like Jang that they think pretty highly of what he is already. I mean, they think that they're going to think that regardless. They just gave three 
first round picks for him. I mean, I guess, but like uh, he he's got a long way to go. I would just say that that's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like if he starts, like if he starts, like, if he oh okay, but if he starts over Bays and Poku, who the Thunder know a lot about, I would feel a lot better about Jang going into the season. That's all I would. That's see. All I, would I, say. I I mean, you're a pessimist or you're an optimist. I'm a pessimist. Yeah. That would make me feel worse about Bays and Poku. And and actually worse about Poku specifically. If those two guys, yeah, yeah, yeah I hear you ha- there. being with this team for multiple seasons now can't start over Usman Jang, who who most people would consider one of the bigger projects in that lottery mm-hmm. range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a, both a good and bad look. Yeah, for the team. James Anderson in the chat says that tanking, tanking would be starting Jay Will next to Jeremiah. <laughs> you know, we think that now, but what if he? Comes out and he's a plus minus king. He could you be. Know, would, would that shock anyone? He's Nick, Nick Collison 2.0. Yeah, he, and and yeah, it could it could happen. So yes, I agree. He was not good in summer league, but it wouldn't shock me if he just came out and did the little things, Andrew. And all of a sudden, we're looking up and he's like a plus five net rating on this team that isn't winning a lot of games. Yeah, he does have a great smile too, and was. It's just an incredibly nice person. <laughs> just, one of the, just one of the nicest. a great smile. <laughs> was so nice to my kids, uh, specifically. Too nice. Um, almost too nice. They don't deserve it. No. Don't I, hung, <laughs> I hung out with Andrew's kids. I actually hung That's out true. with Luke hanging out with Andrew's kids. Yeah. And the, seeing them be so excited for the giant expensive Lego thing that Luke had purchased <laughs> for his himself. That was one of the highlights of my trip. That was good. That was really good. Luke told them about what he got, and my oldest son was like, dude, that costs $500. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Uh, Anything else that you are looking forward to? I I would like to just see, um, you know, any of these rookies, you know, on on the court. Like, I'm excited to see any of them play. But Jang specifically, I think is going to be is going to be really interesting, just because he he is now thrown in, and we just kind of mentioned it, but he's kind of thrown into this like Poku Bay's bucket of like, okay, these are forwards that have a ton of potential. Will any of them reach it? <laughs> you know, and I think that's where like competition will come into play, where it really is going to be like sink or swim for a lot of these guys this season like there's there's going to be guys that will lose their spot on the thunder this season because of how they play um oh yeah for sure which will be kind of nice i mean because in past seasons i mean there were legitimately times where just weren't any other options oh yeah and it was like all right i'm just gonna buy into this yeah i'm just gonna buy into whoever it is yeah Yeah, i mean i mean obviously that first that first year i guess that was two seasons ago when Ty Jerome had like a really nice season, and I was like oh, totally into yeah. Ty Jerome. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm also interested in just the uh, the other teams around the league. Like, who just gets off to a bad vibe start? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like their win loss record in preseason, but looking around the league, it does not feel like there are a lot of fan bases who think their team is going to underperform. Yeah, as of right now. Yeah. Um. And I feel like that's going to be wrong in multiple cases. 
and I'm trying to figure out what teams it's going to be, yeah. um, especially like in the Western Conference, because yeah. we 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 feel pretty uh, secure in teams like OKC and Houston. They're going to be down towards the bottom. Yeah. Utah, San Antonio, but like of that next group of teams, who all their fan bases are either hoping or expecting play in or playoffs. Yeah, there's not is, twelve. Who, there's not twelve playoff spots. Yeah, there's not. Who is going to be like the team that falls off? And there's probably going to be a major injury in preseason because I feel like there is every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, who who is going to be where it's not even an injury thing? It's just like something's off with this team immediately. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you look at it, I think there's four teams you would say that yeah, they're not making the play-in: Thunder, Rockets, Spurs, Jazz. Um, was there one more? And honestly, maybe now that you say it out loud like that, maybe this does end up being like a a season where everyone gets satisfaction because if there's four teams that are obviously tanking, yeah. that means that there's only one team, one team that that's going to miss the is, plan. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably there's probably going to be an injury. There's probably going to be injury team, and they'll just, like there was with the Blazers last year where they just yeah. come to accept, okay, this isn't our year. Yeah, and that would allow ten, those other ten teams to all make the play in. And everyone could be happy. Maybe the Kings do have a shot now that we're talking it out. I think they do. It would be very sad if they did not make the play-in. Because one team is going to be, unless you're right, unless it is just a pure injury situation, is really going to going to look back at like preseason stuff and be like, oh man, like this is not working like we thought it would. Um, so maybe the East is more interesting. Because who are the, the only obvious and honestly it's hard to say they're like obvious tanking teams because it feels like they like detroit and orlando seem more interested in moving forward yeah detroit than the orlando, teams in the west indy, indy could charlotte. be charlotte yeah those would be like the four teams in the east that i would say are most likely but like charlotte still has a lot of nba players where it's like they're going to be pulled more to the middle than the rockets spurs thunder or jazz you know, we will see, Andrew. I mean, they've got Lamelo, they've got Terry Rozier, they've got guys that are competent. They just don't. You just named all of them. Did I just name all of them? Said their their roster is status? so young. What's Gordon Hayward's status? Uh, I don't know, dude. Okay, their current roster. Just a, I'm just looking at uh, Basketball Reference. Yeah. Their current roster, which it looks, I'm not going to count them all out, but it's probably around, you know, 17 to 20 guys. Yeah. Uh, six are rookies. Six. Th- six. Three are second year players. Yeah. And then another two are third year players, which is yeah. LaMelo and Nick Richards. But more than half of their roster is like under 22. Yeah. And so you're counting on a lot from Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumlee, Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre Jr., oh, yeah. Cody Martin, PJ Washington, Jalen McDaniels. Like, yeah, that's their that's their quote unquote good rotation. But after that, it like falls off a cliff, and it's all super young guys. Yeah, many of which like we're not particularly high on at the moment. Yeah, like JT Thor, Kai Jones, James yeah. Booknight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Williams should be able to come in and, and play. A role. He, Should. I think he and LaMelo are like the same age. Oh, are they really? Um, yeah. But like LaMelo and Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward, if he plays, and Mason Plumley, like those guys, like 
the, you're not going to be like a 20 win team. Like you're going to win like 27 games or something, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like that is a team that has been pushing towards the playoffs these last couple of years. I know. And then getting decimated in the play in. If they have a step back like that, just to like 27, 28 wins. Yeah. Like that's crisis mode. Like then it's like, why are you, what are we doing with this roster? Why do we have these guys on the roster? We need, I mean, this is the whole reason why they wanted Kenny Atkinson. I know. Because more than half the roster is super young guys and they needed a development coach. This is why you don't press that friggin' button. You know, this is why, this is why you, that's why you don't do this. And I guess the buttons were the Rogier, Hayward, and Hayward. Yeah, even like, Hayward in particular. I, th- I think you can justify the Rogier one. Yeah, because that came in the Kimba Walker trade. Yeah, um, but it's also why, like, you look back and like, we've been doing these summers of Sam series, which will pick back up at some point, but. Um, this is, I mean, this is why they didn't, tr- you know, try to trade for like young-ish, meaningful players. Like they traded for Chris Paul with Russell Westbrook, but they knew it was only going to be for one season at, you know, at the most. You know, you didn't go get like a twenty-four-year-old guy that was going to play or a twenty-five-year-old guy that's going to play for your team, you know, long term. You know, Rozier was Rozier's good. Like Rozier's a good player, like a very helpful NBA player. That I think if he were on a better team, that people would you know recognize you know the kind of player that he was. I mean, last year his stats are kind of like shocking when you look at them. Nineteen four and four. Uh, he shot forty four percent from the field, not great, but thirty seven percent from three on eight attempts per game. Like, there's a lot of teams that could use a player like that. And he's only twenty-seven. Uh, like he's a good player. Should should they make the rush trade, Andrew? Should they should they make the rush trade? <laughs> should the Hornets make the rush trade? No, no. That's Are you sure, I, that's Andrew? the absolute worst thing to do because I still think Russ has mm. enough left in the tank. Double down on the button, Andrew, to drag them to thirty-seven wins. See if the button can be pushed further, and then they'll be picking fifteen or fourteenth in the draft. And then it really is like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? I just lost Alex for a second. Um, yeah, to me, it's just they need they they're the team that gets brought up the most when it comes to Westbrook and like who would be willing to take on Westbrook if he was if he were waived. Um, but man, they are the team that needs to stay away the most because they they could if they end up with like the fourth pick or the fifth pick in this draft. That's like the best case scenario for them. Because if you can add a legitimate player next to LaMelo, like that's what they need the most. They don't need Russell Westbrook. Like, stay, like you got to stay away from that. I know that Jordan loves Russ, loves his mentality. I would, I would bet on them bringing him in. <laughs> but, man, you got to stay away. They just have to. I mean, they have to stay away from that scenario. They have to let this ride out. They got to be bad. You know, to me, that's that's just what they have to do. Well, Thunder fans should be rooting against Charlotte because if they do start to falter, uh, a lot of the SGA trade talk will be shifted away to Lamelo, even though mm-hmm. he is even younger, yeah, <laughs> and is theoretically locked up for even longer. 
Yeah. Oh, we didn't um, mention PJ Washington. PJ Washington's a good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Miles Bridges. I'm just thing. saying one of these one of these teams is gonna disappoint. They're they're the most obvious one to me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think the Knicks are another one that could as well, but like Oh, careful, Andrew. They live in a constant state of disappointment though. Um, um do you want to talk about the rankings? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um ESPN, CBS Sports, anybody else trying to get the rankings? clickbait out there right now uh mine will be released today (laughs) al baby cakes rank hashtag al baby cake rank um yeah so shay specifically was ranked 36 by cbs sports and 48th by espn uh, I can't. I Texas. I sent this to the group chat, but like, I just can't bring myself to care <laughs> about these rankings. It's just like one. I just don't know how much the people that are like doing the work for these care about these. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, how much am I supposed to really care about this? Um, it just gets. It just lights Twitter on fire. Is all it does. Um, but yeah, thoughts on thoughts on that. Um. Yeah, I mean, you, you're welcome to get mad if 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 you want. Uh, but my, my my bigger takeaway was just how like lists like this, which are very hard to do, if we're going to give these people a little bit of credit. Uh, I mean, I I'm not going to do it, but if you wanted to go do this yourself, I'd imagine that'd be really tough to do, Andrew. Just do it yourself. Just try yeah. to think of a hundred players on the spot and rank them. That'd be tough to do. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I do think these lists are instructive for how talented the league is. Like the fact yeah. that on ESPN's ranking, Tyrese Halliburton, a player I really like. Yeah. He is, and and after the end of the season he had, where he's putting like, you know, double double num- numbers up frequently, he's at fifty nine. Yeah. Fifty ninth best player. Like yeah. that is that is pretty awesome for the league. Yeah. That we're at, we're nearing the 60th best player, and there's someone like Tyrese Halliburton. It's not, and like, yes, there's a little projection involved there, but he's more like established than, you know, just like a rookie where you're having to do a ton of projection. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, we know he's good and he's getting ranked there. You know, everyone was freaking out about Shea being 48. Totally understand. Scrolling down just a little bit more, Darius Garland at 46. I really like Darius Garland and the fact that he, that they were able to come up with player. 45 names better than Darius Garland. Like, that's yeah. pretty awesome for yeah. the league. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we can, I, I definitely, I came away from this list saying, yeah, I understand why they're talking about expansion. Yeah. Because they're, the league is so talented right now. Yeah. I mean, LaMelo Ball at 41. I mean, how do we feel about like LaMelo Ball, DeJounte Murray? Tyrese Maxey, CJ McCollum, uh, Darius Garland, all being ranked yeah, above that's Shea. why, like, and maybe this is revealing uh, too much about myself, but yeah. th- doing these type of rankings where you're just ranking them as basketball players, yeah. I like, I like can't do it. I like, my my brain <laughs> cannot handle those comparisons. Whereas if you yeah. asked me to do like a trade value ranking, I would have like a better idea in my brain. And yeah. I, and uh, now, if you hate me, you could say, "Well, that's because you don't know ball." 
Alex. But <laughs> I would argue that it's because there's so much context involved. Yeah. Like, like so how do you how do you compare that group that you just talked about? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you compare someone like DeJounte Murray, who last year was the lead ball handler for a team and is now going to be playing off ball a lot of times to Trey Young? Like, how do you even compare that? My she guess like is that Dejounte, this will be the high. He'll he will drop ten spots next year only because like he's not going to make the All Star team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and he's not going to have. He's not. His stats are going to take a huge hit, and like it does. It is like, context is is huge within all of this, just because it's it's massive, and that's why I I wouldn't recommend trying to do one of these lists. I'm glad somebody does it because it's just, you know, fun to scroll and look at pictures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it the is. reason I enjoy it. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny, though, like Russ is 65 on ESPN's yeah. rank. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on CBS's rank, he is 98. Yeah, I saw that. 98. Yeah. But it's so funny how they'll have like, I want to know things like, how does PJ Tucker end up at ninety three? He, he's he's ahead of uh, he's ahead of Franz Wagner. Yeah, that's wild. Franz Wagner is not even on the top one hundred. Like, how do you even compare those two players? I don't even know how you do it. Like, how do you decide who is the better NBA player? Like, obviously, most humans would want Franz Wagner on their team. How do you have Keegan Murray and Brandon Clark on your list, but not Franz Wagner? Which is kind of wild to me. That actually, yeah, Brandon Clark specifically. That's kind of that's pretty bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So other Thunder players. So Giddy did make the ESPN list. He did. Shout out to him. Yeah, eighty first. Eighty first. Sandwich yes. right, you know, right ahead of Paula Bancaro and right behind Karis Levert. That's. <laughs> that tells you as much as you need to know about these lists. It's like, it's like this makes no like this list makes no sense. Like the guys, it makes that no are, sense because it it's impossible for it to make sense. How do you compare those players? Yeah, I know. The, like Karis Levert and Clint Capella are the two guys ahead of him. It's like, I don't know. You put Ben the Ben Simmons is at seventy six. He didn't play last year. Is he gonna play this year? Like, does he does he play basketball anymore? I don't know. We don't know. I wouldn't have put him on the list. I would say that if you didn't play last year, you don't get on the list. And then for CBS, uh, it, it does not appear they put Giddy on the list, but they put Dort. Dort. Dort uh, makes an entry at 86 between yeah. Seth Curry and Chris Stapps Porzingis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, think- I, I actually kind of like him next to Seth Curry. Obviously, they, they play much different roles, but mm-hmm. like in terms of value, I could kind of see that. Yeah, yeah, and even like for Blazers fans, like Anthony Simons is ranked ninety first. Like, oh my gosh, we just gave this guy the max, <laughs> and ESPN thinks he's the ninety first best player in the league. <laughs> you know, just it is. It is a good, like you said, it's a good sign for the NBA that you can, you know, list ninety players before you get to him. Oh, like, dude, Anthony Simons in another era absolutely would be like a face of a franchise guy for someone, for for some bad team. Yeah. He absolutely could play that role. He did it last year, and he was super efficient and really good at it. Yep. I mean, he could be scoring 25 points for some new franchise in Las Vegas. Yep. Yeah. But then, like, Tyler Hero's 61st. 
it's like who would you rather have you know <laughs> yeah. like how do you and how do you put Tyler Hero at 61 and Simon's at 91 you know like that's where it's like these lists are like so bogus and like so difficult to do that it's just like not even worth your time investing anything emotionally into them that's why I think you have to do it as like, that's why I think trade value lists are a lot easier to do because you can actually lay out what your rules are at the beginning. Right. And this is why Seth part now does tears and doesn't do this because he knows that if he ranks Tyrese Halliburton at 59 and then Vooch at 57, it's like, you think you would like, of course you'd rather have, Tyrese Halliburton over Vooch. And like he was a much better player than he was last year. What are you talking about? You know, this is why you like throw like 20 guys into a tier and he's like, yeah, all these guys are the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, you, I can totally get it. Even though people will take those and see them in alphabetical order in the tier and still be like, you got this. No, I didn't. I just put them in alphabetical order. Okay. But Andrew, let's say going into next season. Yeah. How many players would you expect? How many Thunder players would you expect would be in a top 100 ranking? It's a good question. Now that is a good question. I would say it. It's probably about what it is now. <laughs> like, I, what can a Thunder player do to get themselves onto this list? It like, is very hard because you look at some of the other bad teams. And I don't see a ton of Pistons on here. And obviously, Pistons fans like a lot of their players. Oh, they love their guys. But there's like one. I think there's one guy on the list. I think it's yeah, just Cade. Is Sadiq Bay on any of these lists? No, I didn't see Sadiq on there. Um, no, he is not. Sadiq is not on here. And like they think of Sadiq as like this great player. Like if you were to tell, ask a Pistons fan, like, would you rather have Tobias Harris, who ranked 56, or Sadiq Bay? They'd be like, oh yeah, give me Sadiq every single day of the week. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe a guy like J-Dub could get on there if he has a great he, season. Yeah, he would have to be like first team all rookie. But even if he is, because Sadiq Bey was probably first team all rookie. Yeah, true. You know, I just think that you have to win and you have to be, people have to know who your guys are. And I just don't think they'll do that this year. Like I just don't I don't think that's where this is going. I think Dort could sneak onto the list. Um but I don't I don't foresee anybody else. I think Chet could have made the list too had he played, but he's not gonna play. So I don't I don't know. Someone would have to really surprise. Trey Mann's another guy that has a chance to, to do it. Uh, but he's gotta be really, really good. I just wouldn't predict that that would happen. So I would just predict like Shea Dort Giddy being the three that make the list next year. Um, trying, I'm looking through the list, seeing if there's like an obvious guy who is just here mostly because he's on a good team. And if he was not on a good team, no one would care. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mentioned PJ Tucker. Like, if yeah, PJ Tucker doesn't make the top yeah, 100. PJ Tucker's on a bad team. There's no way. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, Brandon Clark. If Brandon Clark were on the Rockets last year. Does Brandon Clark make There's the no list? There's no way he makes it. There's no chance. There's Same with like Grant Williams, who made yes. both of the lists. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, okay. 
let's take a quick break. And after that, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to preview Sam Presti's press conference for tomorrow. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfume, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, Sam is going to address the media tomorrow, which is like the official, like the Thunder Season's back um, marker for every year. And so I went back and looked at a few of Sam's press conferences, specifically his very first one that he had, the one after Kevin Durant left, and then the one at the end of this past season, just so I could pull a couple things from it, just to kind of remind people of some things that he said. Um, But just to like... Think about like the, I mean, he is, is, is he the longest tenured GM right now? I think that he is. Um, now that Ainge is, has moved on to Utah and is like, uh, he's not the longest tenured GM, but he's one of the longest tenured GMs in the league and has been just kind of the setting force. And I wanted to kind of look back and see like, how did he lead when he was first here and how did he lead? in the moment where the Thunder had like the most like crushing blow to the team, you know, in franchise history. And hopefully that will be the biggest blow in franchise history for the Thunder. Um, but yeah. How did he lead? What did he say? Is it at all similar to what, he, how he speaks now? So I just wanted to kind of look back at those. So um, here is Sam at his very first presser uh, in the history of the Thunder. They weren't even called the Thunder yet. I don't think. Um, they were just like the Oklahoma City team. 
you know, ask Oklahoma City basketball. Team. The Boomers. The Boomers. What? Oh, by the way, what did you want them to be called before they were named Thunder? Uh, I remember at the time, I of the names that were being bandied about. Yeah. Uh, I liked the Barons. Yeah. And I liked the Thunderbirds. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the Barons as well. Because then you can go black and gold, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, anyways, all right. Here's Sam. And part of that reason is I feel like our, our vision for our team uh, and our players is very closely linked to the identity of, uh, of this city and this state. Um, <clears throat> what, we, what we know about Oklahoma City is that it's a city that has great values, um, hard workers, uh, persistence and resiliency are part of the identity of this of this community and when we sit back uh, as a basketball staff and we look at our methodology and we look at uh, the vision for our team and the type of players that we want to try to put in uniform uh, for this community they run very parallel so we're just invigorated by the the prospect of seeing our basketball team uh, grow with this community because it seems so so closely linked uh, and i think it's a unique opportunity uh, in pro sports that you find that so like a couple things that stood out to me when i was watching this one sam has really stepped it up in his style since his first days yeah i was gonna say he, he wouldn't wear that cut tape of collared shirt He's Especially got, un, unbuttoned at the top, like wide. That was like almost a Brian Colangelo collar. <laughs> it really was. You've got to subscribe. One, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search down to dunk and hit subscribe, and then go just watch these because they're it's it's kind of comical. Like his haircut, his like glasses that he obviously got from like Eye Masters or something he, he, like that. He looks like the way we dress nicely in like high school. Yes. Yes. That was definitely the look, which, I mean, this is 2008, Eight. so it's, yeah, it, it's so very great. close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, second thing that stood out to me was, like, if I didn't see what he looked like, it would have been impossible for me to tell you what year he said these things. <laughs> yeah. Because he's saying, this is what stood out to me the most when I watched this, it was like, he is saying the same stuff today that he did way back when. Like, he leads today like he did back then, which I think is, like, so impressive for a guy. Because we're, I mean, this is you know, 13 years apart. It's like, man, this is it's pretty impressive. You can tell, though, like, he has such a more commanding presence now. Yeah. Um, than he did back then. Yeah, true. Like, he, the way he does his monologues now... Where oh. it's like completely off the cuff, but or, or I mean, it feels like it's off the cuff. Yeah, it's definitely it's not just, off the cuff. He's got pages of notes yeah. with him, but yeah. But the way he's able to deliver those now, he's like a pro at it. And this is probably like the first time he had to give one of those. And they're way longer. Like this this press conference, this was his first, his very first one. Let me see how long it was. Because it, it, was, it was not that long. 30 minutes. Yeah. The one he did at the end of this past season, two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, that was the one where he said, I'll just be here whenever? Yeah, I'll answer as many questions as you have. And even then, the, I don't think media knew what questions to ask. Like, what do we ask an NBA general manager? 
you know? Yeah. Um, okay, here's one more from that very first presser. Um, I think with our guys down there, and, and we've seen those with um, both Kevin and Jeff last year, um, you know, rookies are going to have peaks and valleys. There's going to be nights where um, they are exciting and spectacular, and there'll be other nights where they look like rookies. And, um, you know, that's part of the learning process. That's part of development. Um, organizationally, with our group, we talk about development being, a, you know, a process and not necessarily an event. And um, I think that, you know, we'll see Russell continue to develop and DJ and the other young players that we have, Kevin and Jeff as well. Um, and as they move through that, um, you know, it's how they respond to some of the adversities that they encounter, but also how they manage some of their successes. And um, I watch that closely. Our coaches watch that closely. Uh, and I think we'll learn a lot about, you know, learn a lot about our team and our players as we continue to look at it that way. But, um, you know, Russell's an exciting player. Um, he fits a lot of the, the core principles that we are, we're looking for. And, um, you know, DJ as well. It's, it's just so interesting hearing him talk about these guys that are like so clearly going to be Hall of Fame players, <laughs> you know, yeah. like back in like these like moments of like the beginning of their careers. Um, but he talks about them just the same ways that he talks about like that he talks about like Poku even, you know, like it's just kind of wild to me. Um, I just thought those were really interesting clips and like interesting moments from those pressers. It's like he... A lot of the same. It's a lot of the same language. I would agree with you that he was not quite as commanding, and obviously hadn't had like the experience. Yeah, you know, up to that point. But still, it's like the same dude for the most part with his words in particular. Yeah, he very rarely strays from like what we think of as Sam Presti in a press conference, like that Mm -hmm. character. The the one time he did, it was when we were when I was looking back for summers of Sam, it was either after the OK three. Oh no, no. You know what? It, it was after the uh, MVP season. Yeah. And he like made a very direct statement about like, we're, we're going after everyone. Like, like we're, we're making calls on everyone. Like it, it was, it, it must've been his way to like calm the fan base down, you know, coming off this fun season, but then it's a disappointment. And obviously we had just lost KD and Russ at that point hadn't signed his, or I guess he had signed a one-year extension, but he was eligible for another one. Um, and it was, it was more aggressive from him than we typically see and like more revealing, but outside of like that moment, there just hasn't been a lot where he strays from this general character. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and to like reiterate that, um, here's Sam, like his presser right after the first time that he talked to the to the media after Kevin Durant left. We're uh, we're disappointed that uh, Kevin Durant's tenure with the Thunder organization uh, has come to a close. Um, we'd all, um, you know, uh, like to think that. Um, uh, it could continue forward, but uh, that's not the case. And, um, you know, in these situations, I think 
um, before we talk about the future, I do think it's important to uh, be very grateful and thankful. And I'd like to thank Kevin for not only, you know, what he did for the team and um, uh, our organization on the floor, but also for what it is that he did for Oklahoma. Um, I think uh, he was synonymous with the Oklahoma City uh, community as well as the Thunder organization. Um, and very rarely in pro sports are you uh, in a situation where a player has that kind of relationship and meaning to a city. And um, I think he helped Oklahoma City and Oklahoma in general in many ways, uh, in addition to just being a fantastic, fantastic basketball player. So we need to be thankful for that, and we absolutely are. Um, at the same time, we're incredibly proud of the accomplishments that have taken place um, over the last eight years. Uh, four out of six Western Conference Finals, as most of you know, uh, being, um, I think, second in the league in playoff series victories and having the fourth best uh, record in all of professional sports. Um, he was a contributor to all of those things. Uh, and as an organization, we should be incredibly proud of, of, of what his tenure uh, represented. What an incredibly difficult time to have to talk. It's like the biggest like failure of your franchise and losing one of the best players ever. One, it's like he didn't have to do that. You know, like he didn't have to go talk to the media. Uh, he was not required to. He did anyways. Um, and then like just to like speak graciously about Kevin first, I thought it was like, okay. Like he just like is always like taking the high road kind of thing, which I think is it continues to be the case with Sam, but like in a time like that, it'd be easy to to go low, especially you could start with like he joined the 73 win Warriors and you know that team that just beat us in the Western Conference Finals. Like those are like the things that we're all talking about. You know, but he like takes a completely different path, which I think that ultimately like it's that's the right thing to do, but you know, in moments like that, that are like highly emotional and frustrating. Like that's, it's more difficult than, than you think it is to take the high road. Yeah. I mean, even doing, even saying like he's going to a very talented team, Yeah, like, which is barely a dig, but even <laughs> just like anything, just a morsel of something we can interpret as a dig. He, he avoids. Yeah. Also he's, he's buttoning his uh, collar now. Yes. Which I think is good. Uh, Big time haircut. He's he's not doing the splayed collar anymore, which I really feel like you can only do if you've got a thick neck. Mm -hmm. If you got a skinny neck, it just looks like your shirt is like eating your head. (laughs) You got to button those (laughs) those those collar buttons, and he did that. And he's looking like the version of Sam that that we know now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's got designer glasses. Maybe not as nice as the ones that he has in these future ones, but and much much more modern haircut as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Yeah, looking good, Sam. Uh, here's another one from that presser. None of us are under the illusion that uh, Kevin Durant, um, you know, would would be here forever. Um, we understand that this is a business, and he has to do what he feels is best uh, for him. Uh, but we also understand that um, part of 
part of the NBA and part of sports in general is 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 change, uh, even when you'd prefer that wasn't the case. So. Um, uh, in terms of moving forward, you know, obviously we have a lot of different scenarios um, uh, that we plan for uh, in, under these circumstances. We're going to take a step back, uh, look at those uh, carefully, um, try to make, um, you know, uh, quality, thoughtful decisions. And those of you that have been around us and, and, and been with us for the eight years we've been here, um, you know, we've never been impulsive. We've never been reactionary. Uh, we've never been, um, uh, you know, careless with putting this franchise in the best possible position to uh, be strong and be healthy and be competitive. And I feel like we've been able to do that. So we wouldn't change that right now. Um, so we'll be careful and thoughtful and and, and, and hopefully intelligent how intelligent about how we go forward. Um, Again, just like such a hard time to have to talk about team building. <laughs> so we just lost this incredible cog in our system. Um, he's also wearing sweaters. Like he's, This is where he, he jumped into wearing sweaters more often instead of like a coat. Um, but yeah, just like always calm. I, I didn't put any of these clips in here. Maybe I should have, but from the Chet press conference. I think a lot of fans felt like sad, frustrated, whatever. And then like, I think after you listen to Sam, you're like, oh, okay. Like he, Sam is always like trying to see like the bigger picture and all of this, which is what his job is, is to see the bigger picture. But like in critical moments is like still trying to see the bigger picture, I think is, you know, pretty, pretty great for like the leader of your franchise. So he's speaking tomorrow or today? He speaks tomorrow at tomorrow at ten thirty Central Time. He'll he'll talk to the media. It's it's probably going to be on OKCThunder.com and all that is stuff. Is it is it in person or on it's in, Zoom? It's in person. I will be there. Yeah, the chat presser was just on Zoom, mostly just because it was like so impromptu. But um, yeah, this will be in person at the practice facility. So I'll be there in person. It'll be interesting. Uh, anything that you want to hear from Sam tomorrow? I, have, I still have a few more clips, but just <sighs> anything about from it. Sam tomorrow. Uh, uh, I mean, I'd be interested. Uh, he probably gave a presser after the draft, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Okay. Well, in that case, he probably already answered it, and it was probably not that interesting. But just uh, <laughs> if he if he was willing to talk about why he made the deal he did for Usman Jang. Yeah. Um, like what he envisions his role in mm -hmm. the NBA mm -hmm. as, and how do you, how do you do that on a team with so many ball handlers? How do you achieve that on a team with so many ball handlers? Yeah. That, that, that is definitely a question I have about Usman Jang. Um, yeah. as I've talked about for a long time, it's a good question because, because that seems to be the thing that people get excited about Usman Jang. How do you do that on a team with Shea and Giddy? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Maybe I'll ask him tomorrow. Okay, all right. Well, hey, if you have questions in the chat, throw them in. Yeah, maybe Andrew will steal them. Yeah, and use them for his own fame. Yeah, and gain. Uh, let's go to an, one last one from that uh, Durant presser. Do you put any part of Kevin's departure on yourself personally? I mean, I'm responsible for everything. I, I will accept whatever uh, amount of responsibility that you feel I deserve. 
How should Oklahoma feel about Kevin Durant today? Um, how should they feel about him? Um, I, you know, I, I listen. I'm not going to tell people how to feel, I, I, or uh, you know, to ju- not to judge or what have you. I just think that um, what he, you know, represented for the city was something larger than basketball. I think that. Um, he arrived at a time where the city was also, you know, on an on an upward trajectory. Uh, a twenty year old, you know, young man, um, in an aspirational city. Um, people kind of snicker and kind of sneer when we talk about that kind of stuff. But my guess is you're probably not doing that right now. You know, we talk, and you guys would hear me say this connection in this community, and I would the typing would stop and the eyes would roll. (laughs) But I was saying that truthfully and authentically because I know how this business works and I know that these days are possible. And we need to recognize what exactly took place here over the last eight years and and recognize it and celebrate it. Um, They should feel thankful, grateful. Um, They should... um, uh, not, I can't tell them not to be disappointed. But the one thing I would also say is, like, the city should be incredibly proud of what they've helped create. I, I just, I was kind of blown away by, like, the perspective that he had in that moment, you know. Because, like, you look back at it now, I think it's easy to say those things today and even, like, a few years ago. Like, in the moment, like, to recognize those things, I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult in any any scenario in life where like you're handed like something that's like terrible <laughs> to have like that kind of perspective in the moment. I think it's just like incredibly difficult, um, and just kind of and a, and a lot of times I think that we do Sam a disservice by saying things like, "Oh, he never really says anything in his press conferences," and yada yada or whatever. A lot of times he's just not saying what we're feeling, you know in those moments, which I think is not necessarily always like the right things to say or feel. Um, but to like yeah, have that perspective, I think is pretty good. I also think he, he understands that like his role should not be to be making news and oh, making, making I think it's the last thing Sam wants to do is to have one of his quotes make the front of like sports center or whatever, like having gratefulness in the moment and thankfulness for what happened. will never, will never, never be on the ticker run, run front page on any breaking yeah. Sam Presti. Gracious <laughs> Sam Presti. Grateful, thankful for the way that Kevin <laughs> played in Oklahoma city and impacted the community. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, I mean, we're, you, you mentioned like how he's probably not the longest tenured. He is third. I mean, if you count Pop as a yeah executive and Pat Riley is Pat two. Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Presti's right there, and then it jumps to uh, uh, who's the Golden State guy? Bob. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that his first name? Yes, Bob. <laughs> is it Bob? Yes, it is. I don't know why. Bob Myers. Myers, yes. <laughs> Bob? Saying Bob. It's like, how could a guy named Bob possibly be the GM of the Warriors? <laughs> All I could think of was Bob Muscala that whole time was the name that I knew. It was like Bob M. And then my brain instantly just went Muscala. And I like I couldn't. But the gap between else. Bob Myers and Sam Presti is five years. Mm-hmm. Like Sam Presti is, is old. Yeah. In terms of him being a GM in this league. Mm-hmm. Kind of wild. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, crazy. But yeah, I'm not expecting any bombshells tomorrow, Andrew. No, um, there will be no bombshells. Sam does not does not do that. But he does communicate, and it's and it's something that I think needs to be recognized. I think that you can hear a lot of things like about the Thunder, the way that they handle PR and stuff like that, and be like, yeah, it's you know you don't get like the access, you don't get the whatever, and you know. But there are teams out there, like the Knicks and the Clippers, that are like a thousand times worse than the Thunder, like to deal with. Like the Knicks haven't even announced when their media day is. And it should be either Friday or Monday, depending on, you know, when when they decide to do it. But they didn't tell them when it is or if they're getting players. You know, they yeah. didn't have an end of season press conference. The Knicks didn't. They didn't. They didn't do exit interviews with players. They just. They just said, well, "Nope, we're not doing them. We'll see you guys in the fall." I like rooting against that team. Yeah, I don't talk about it a lot, but I. I just. I do not like Tibbs, and yeah, the way they treat their local media. A lot like of people. Yeah, a lot of people are like, "Oh, the local media is awful to these people." It's. It's a two way street. I'll tell you, it's an absolute two way street when it comes to the way that they treat the media. As well, like, there's no wonder that they're pissed off all the time. Yeah, because it's a, it's such a toxic environment to be in, and the Thunder do not do not have that going on at all. Um, okay, a couple things from his two hour long marathon um, that I thought were just interesting and things to to look uh, back on before we go. Now, we also talk internally about pulling all the time from our from our community and the aspirational vision that helped reestablish Oklahoma and the history of Oklahoma. And one of the things we talk about is the state motto. I'm sure everybody in here is an expert on the state motto. Um, but for those of you that aren't aware of it or those of you watching outside of Oklahoma, um, labor omnia vincit. I brushed up on my Latin pronunciation to make sure. But um, we've had that in place and talked about that since 2008. Um, but it, what that means is hard work conquers all. If you go back and look at the real translation in Latin, it's, it's slow work conquers all because it comes from a, a long poem um, by a Greek philosopher named Virgil who I didn't know a lot about. Um, but uh, that's the mentality of the team. Like, we have a lot of hard work in front of us. We have to, we have to grind in and do it. Um, that's what the state's about. That's what the history of the uh, community is about. And that's what the basketball team here is about. And I think our guys are going to be ready and willing. And we're going to see the fruits of that when they, when they come back. Um, another aspect that I think is important, as I said, we've had one draft. We're heading into our second draft um, as, we, as we continue to reposition and, and rebuild the team. It also allows us to build some continuity, which is really, in my opinion, very, very important in, in, in any sport. It's, it's kind of very tied to the Einstein quote, right? It's the stuff you can't see. Uh, a lot of times I think people think sports is all about transactions now, but really the molding and shaping of teams is happening in front of your eyes, and it's, it's really it's like watching grass grow. Um, continuity is critical to that. Now, the way the system is set up now, and I mean the, the league system, it's really meant to fracture continuity. It's shorter contracts, um, player movement all over the place. The way you can overcome that is um, if you have 
you know, bottomless financial resources. You can kind of blow through all of those rules. But otherwise, it's layering on younger players to try to build that out. And we've now got some guys that have played four years together, three years together. We'll add another group. That continuity is really, really important for us to continue to kind of replenish the group and let guys learn each other, play with each other. And through that competition, you'll start to identify the needs that, we, that, that we'll need to fill over time. So like this part, I, well, one, like he tied in like the community stuff, which he's been talking about from the beginning. You know, I played a clip from the beginning where he talked about like the city and team identity and he wants like this, the team to kind of mirror, you know, what the city stands for. Um, but then just like talking about like layering on young players, like to me, it's just like reiterates like, man, this is going to take, this is going to take some time. <laughs> to build this team like this was just a few months ago it's before the draft is before the lottery it's before the, you know the team knew who they were getting in the lottery um but i think this just like reiterates that like yeah they're gonna build slowly they want to there's not gonna be like this accelerator there's not an accelerator coming like it's gonna be these young guys and it's gonna be trying to build continuity with these young guys and like trying to build a team with these guys and it's gonna be up to them you know when this team gets really good um, you have thoughts on that? Uh, no, I got distracted because, uh, Tom Ziller just released his top 23 players, uh, 23 or under. Oh, and he put Dort on it. He did. And I was like, wow, he put him number 22, which I, wow. I mean, that's pretty good ahead of, uh, for instance, Wendell Carter Jr., I think that's fair. I think Dort's. I think Dort's good. I think Dort's a good player. I know there's some Window Carter hype out there and the very uh, uh, dregs of the uh, NBA internet. But, but uh, yeah, but Dort doesn't. Dort. I, I'm just surprised. Dort does. I don't feel like Dort gets this kind of love. Yeah. Uh, from the national media that yeah. often. I mean, people like him because they like his name, and 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 he's fun. <laughs> but I feel like evaluating him as a real player, saying he's a Top 23, under 23. That's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. Uh, Okay, last one. Try to focus, Alex. Come on, stay with me. Stay with me. Sorry. We're almost done. Dude, Presti is so boring. I'm sorry. (laughs) Last one. Um, You know, I know there are some people that get concerned at times um, when I speak to uh, season ticket holders and stuff like that. I'm out there before games, and a lot of times some of those people – you know, on the floor will say like, I, you know, I hope you guys are going to stay the course. Don't, you know, don't deviate from what you're doing. Like we really want to have a, a good, you know, sustainable team. I promise you that's not going to be a problem. Um, we understand what we're trying to do. We have the context of history to do that in terms of how long it takes to, to, to get, you know, back to the playoffs or, or, or consecutive playoff appearances. Everybody can do the math. Um, and it, you know, we've had one draft. We're going on another. Um, we've got a group of really motivated guys that are hungry and willing to work, um, and we're really excited about that. Um, trying to fix things quickly takes a very long time, so we're going to try to avoid making it longer by trying to make it shorter. Um, but the thing I would say is, I'm really confident that. We're going to be successful. Um, internally, we talk a lot about um, the difference between being a clock watcher and a pace setter. 
and people that watch the clock, to me, are not people that are ultimately extremely successful in whatever they're trying to accomplish. So, you know, you can't have one eye on the clock and one eye on the destination. We need to have two eyes on the path for us to be successful. We'll let other people watch the clock. To me, watching the clock is an indication that you don't think you can do it. Watching the clock is, you know, how much longer I have to stay on this treadmill? <laughs> how much longer, you know, we want to be the person that puts a towel over the treadmill. You know, and we can just keep going because we believe in a certain set of principles that are going to allow that to happen over time. So this is where it gets difficult whenever people, because people want to know, like, okay, when are they going to, when are they going to be a team that competes? You know, when is this going to happen? And I, I think Sam saying this stuff is just like, it's going to happen when they're ready. And I don't think he has any clue when they're going to be ready. You know, I think you might, you can predict, like you can have an idea about it, but, um, you know, they're going to play this out the way that it's going to go and how quickly <laughs> that goes. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's one thing, like as a Thunder fan, you have to just be aware of is that like the like accelerator that everybody wants to see, like the Donovan Mitchell trade, you know, like we, even the Jared Allen trade, that happened with them or the Karis Levert trade that happened with the Cavs. Like these are all like little accelerators that have been like built into the Cavs becoming a team that, you know, suddenly a team that's something could be a top five team in the East, top four team in the East. If things, everything goes well, you know, I don't foresee the Thunder doing any of that stuff like anytime soon. I think they want this team to mold together and to figure out like, which of these young guys are good, you know, and these are, I mean, these are Sam's words, not mine. Like I'm drawing from like the things that Sam has said. And I think those are like the things that you can draw from it. Uh, I, I think that's true, but I also think that's really easy to say in like year one, two, three of this. Yeah. I think as this goes on, that will be harder and harder because there will be more and more outside forces. Like, like his plan in the, in the mid 2010s was great. Mm-hmm. until there was a cap spike and Kevin Durant decided to leave and go to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Like best laid plans are are awesome. They look really good, but there's just one thing to mess them up. Yep. And, and we're all going along on this ride with the expectation that there's going to be a, a pot of uh, honey. No, what is it? Gold. A pot of gold. gold? Honey? <laughs> pot of, <laughs> a pot are you of Winnie, honey. Winnie the Pooh? Just sticky honey. Just a bunch of honey. <laughs> At the end of this, and uh, and he may feel that way, but there is no guarantee. Oh and no, 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 no. The I think the pressure going into next season, if if this season goes the way we think it will, yeah, is going to be relatively high because mm-hmm. the tanking Sixers, who we felt like did it forever, they did it for four seasons. Yep. They did it for four seasons. Mm-hmm. So the the Thunder entering their third season, and we saw what happened to the Sixers when they tried to do a fourth season. Yep. Like I do think there's a limit to how long you can push this yeah. as an organization until some outside force, in the case of the Sixers, it was the league. Yeah. It could be a player asking out yeah. until something happens that screws up all of these plans. Or just like the players get good. I mean, that's what we keep saying. I mean, you, you mentioned that like, you know, they want to see how these players you know, how good they are. Like you got to play them. Like you got to play them. Yeah. You got to play them. If you're going to play them half the season, we're not, we're 
our our data set is just so small mm-hmm. in comparison to other teams. And they're clearly comfortable with that. And yeah. I understand, well, obviously we know the reason. Yeah. Um, and, and and we support that reason because we, we understand the value of those high draft picks. Mm-hmm. But like, there's going to be a limit at some point to yeah. all of this. Yeah. And it is coming. And I don't know what is going to be the trigger. And we all hope that it's going to be, the trigger is that everyone gets good, mm-hmm. like you said. Mm-hmm. But what happens if that doesn't happen? What happens if this team maxes out as like the seventh or eighth seed in a very difficult West. Yeah. Then what? I think that's why you have all like the future picks at some point yeah. to use, you know, like that's where you can use those resources and you're like, oh, okay. Like Shay's good. Josh is good. Tort is good. Now we need to go fill out the roster, <laughs> you know, um, you, you hope that somebody in like the, J-Dub, Trey Man group. There's like four or five of those guys. They're like somebody pops, you know. Or maybe the guy they get in 23 will pop. Um, I mean, somebody has to pop. You, I, if, you would, if, if, if this team is going to be as good as we talk about them being. Because we've talked yeah. about what you need to actually be a championship contender. Yeah, And like Shea, we think can get to that level. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely people, you know, in NBA media who think he can be like a back end of a top 10 player Yeah, in the league. And like, yes, that is one piece that you need, but you also need like multiple all-stars. And like, do we really feel super confident that there are multiple all-stars on this roster as we speak today? <laughs> this is- Probably not. But you would say that about most young teams because yeah. how do you really project that a guy is going to be an all-star? We would have said that about the team... We just said, like, we feel confident about Kevin. Like, is Russell Westbrook going to be an all-star? You know, like, that's, you know, I think that we would have been asking ourselves that even after year one with him. Totally. But at the same time, that type of player is super rare, and that type of jump is oh, super rare. I'm not, I'm not trying to equate this team to that team when I say that. I'm just saying yeah. that, like, we just have no clue. We had no clue then. I think that, you know, we would have just... I th- I think then we would have just said yeah there's no way like that this team has multiple all stars on it you know yeah the difference is that our opinion of KD was like astronomical oh yeah and and rightly so yeah 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 I think so too yeah and that was after after draft number two I we need Chet to be healthy but if Chet is healthy and can play I feel pretty com- I feel confident about him. Um, I feel confident that Lou Dort is like a guy that you can take to the playoffs with you. Um, and then I feel confident about Josh Giddy being like a good player in the league. How good is he? I think that he's got some years to prove what that looks like. Uh, the everybody else, I'm like, I don't know. Like, is the Trey Man 20-point quarters, is that like a real thing? You know, when we're I'm playing just, real basketball? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just like so cautious. And that's why I want to see them play a full season because you listen to other – fans of bad teams especially like detroit orlando houston yeah like they're they're expecting the exact same thing that okc is yeah right now. oh i know and for good reason like they have players that are really good Mm -hmm. and and in some respects have more players that are expected to be like all-stars or whatever and all of those teams are not going to be great like some of these rebuilding like plans are going to fail. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I trust 
OKC's front office more than those other teams. Yeah. Because I do feel like the track record is there. But at the end of the day, it is like the talent that you bring in. And so I don't know. I'm just I'm nervous going into the season because <laughs> I, I feel like I'm not going to get answers. And that makes me nervous to, to, to think that I will be here next year talking, mm-hmm. having these same conversations. That's the part that freaks me out. Yeah. Be- because like at some point we start having to get, we need to get hard answers. Yeah. And I just don't know when that's going to happen because this is such a slow process. I, I know. <laughs> I don't disagree. It's tough. Cause like with Giddy, the guy's not 20 yet. He doesn't turn 20 for, you know, a month. But, I, but that's even like, that's scary. Like that's seen as a positive, but that means that like, okay, what age should I expect him to be really good and be like a winning part of a contending team? What, like 23? That's four years from now. It's a while. That's four years and he'll be 23, yeah. which is like a normal age for like a young, good player yeah. to like really start showing up. In yeah. the playoffs, unless you're like Luca level or Jaw level or whatever, mm-hmm. that's four years away. That's that's when I start getting antsy and and anxious and like, oh my god, that it feels like we're close, but then you start stepping back and it feels like you're way farther away than you thought. Yeah, yeah, and not for any like bad reason either. It's just right. like got the team super young, the West is super good. Mm-hmm. Like, when could this realistically happen? And that's that's when I start getting anxious. Yeah. I don't blame you for feeling that way <laughs> at all. Um, but I, I just thought it was interesting going back and looking at some of these pressers from Sam. Just like he just leads in like almost the exact same way from day one. Obviously, there's like some uh, style differences and even like command of the microphone differences. But like he just just kind of led in the same way throughout this whole thing. So, And he, he has had to take on a, a larger role. Yeah, I would say like now, because yes, we have Shea, who you, you could say is like the face of the franchise. But when this team was really good, he was able to kind of just step back and let the team do the talking, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he had superstars. I mean, mega mm-hmm. superstars with KD mm-hmm. and Russ. And I feel like now Presti has had to become by necessity the face of the franchise. Oh, he's without um, a doubt the face of the franchise, yeah, which which no which slightly alters like what he how much he has to give up in terms of information. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it is really interesting. And I, if you're Sam, like you're just hoping that one of these guys can take that mantle from you over Please. the course of the next <laughs> few years. So, uh, all right. Thanks so much for listening to our show. Long show. But I just thought there were some there's there's gonna be more interesting things to talk about because we have real basketball back in our lives relatively soon. Um hope you guys have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.